Thank you very much for downloading the Trap One podcast. Today we are discussing the second volume of Big Finish's 60th anniversary series, Once and Future. This instalment is The Artist at the End of Time by James Goss. As ever, we'll be discussing it in great detail with spoilers, so please don't listen if you haven't listened to the story yet and plan to. And once again, I'm joined by the regular Once and Future panel. I'm Mark. Hi, I'm James. I'm Keith. And I'm Fraser. So, what what are all our initial thoughts on this story, uh, James? Um, I, I I enjoyed this story. I'm I'm sure we will come on to talk about elements of it um, in due course. I from a sort of second instalment part. I'm not sure it kind of moved the overall story arc on very much further from the degeneration of the first episode. Um, but I really like the interplay between the main characters and I thought it was quite a, a nice little story uh, overall. So yeah, it was good. I'm always biased if Colin Baker's in it. I enjoy it very much. Um, <laughs> I would agree it could have been it, um, any story really, but uh, I don't care. It was a simple story, but well told. And, and I think it, it survived on its banter. It did very well. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, um, I think I'm two for two now on this series. I really enjoyed um, the open after past past lives, um, and this one as well. I really enjoyed. Uh, obviously, two completely different stories. Um, you know, in tone and you know composition and everything. Um, but both equally enjoyable, in my opinion. Um, like like James said, I enjoyed sort of like the the banter element of this. Um, I enjoyed. You know Colin Baker as well. I think I liked about this was Colin Baker wasn't the Doctor. Um, you know, or was he? <laughs> well, wow, well, yeah. Um, but it was, um, you know, as I spoke last time about, you know, the difficulties I sort of had tuning in with Tom Baker's voice because of the the age of him now. Um, you know, with Colin Baker, I think playing the curator or the wanderer, or the artist, or whatever, um, you know, that allowed that sort of side to to not be an issue for us, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, you know, it was, you know, he was so sort of sedate and sort of melancholy compared with what you expect from his portrayal of the Doctor, that I, I think that really worked, and I really enjoyed that that side as well. So, yeah. Thumbs up for me. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot as well. I think it's becoming clear that the, the sort of the point of these stories or the celebration element is is the mashups, isn't it, of of different characters from different periods of Doctor Who, where and the sort of the ongoing arc is quite light in a way. There's only yeah. there's only little bits and pieces usually at the beginning and the end. Although I've got a couple of theories based on this story and the last story now, a couple of things that maybe, uh, so maybe talk about towards the end of maybe some clues or maybe I'm just, uh, maybe just absolutely um, grasping at straws uh, with that one. Um, I think it's quite nice here, actually. You've got, you've got the creator from the 50th anniversary special and you've got the Eye of Orion from the 20th anniversary special. So it sort of links to other anniversaries quite nicely as well, doesn't it? I've got a friend who only buys the Colin Bakers and hadn't realised this was the second part of a story. So it was a bit baffled by the cameos. <laughs> right. But alternatively, followed it fine. 
Mm. Not realizing it was just like a an ongoing adventure, he just thought it was sort of a, a bit of a strange setup. That was what the doctor was suffering from, but there was no real conclusion to it. But enjoyed it as a standalone. So I think as a story, it was probably slightly more successful than the previous one, which was a lot of setup, wasn't it? Yeah, it it's almost like this one was written, and they were just like, well, we could put it in part of this series as long as we mention what happened in the previous episode, <laughs> and we have some link into the next one because. It it was a it it was a wonderfully character driven piece that you could have had as a standalone story, um, <laughs> and you did, did yeah, <laughs> and, and you pretty much you pretty much did. Um, he has now bought part one, though, so he's <laughs> listening to it in a slightly <laughs> weird order, but uh, yeah. But it focused a lot on the relationships and the into sort of um, the dynamics between the characters, especially when they were. Um, in pairs, I found that really good when the, when it was just like either the Doctor and the Curator or the Curator and Jenny in particular. The the, the sort of dialogue and the each of them had a uh, you were saying about Colin being quite melancholy and, and so was Peter as well, so was the Doctor at, at one point. And Jenny's craving attention and, and wants to have validation from the Doctor as well. So you have these three characters that are all looking for something, and, and, and I, I loved the the sort of conversations between them. Yeah, um, I think kind of touching on on the arc element of it, um, I think this is something that I've heard, um, you know, people write on Twitter, you know, other podcasts that, you know, this is a bit of an issue for some people with regards to this story. Um, it's not for me. Um, Sorry, it's not an issue for me. Um, I think, you know, I don't know what everyone else expected coming into this, but, you know, I wasn't expecting, you know, one sort of seven or eight part story that was just going to be, you know, I was expecting something that was going to be a light arc, you know, um, where it was going to be sort of individual stories threaded together with, with the sort of the ongoing arc so it, it's not really an issue for me that we are getting what seems to be more in more individual standalone stories but i think there is still a theme developing um you know in that last time we had nostalgia you know it was like past lives it was you know the relationships gone and that and this story um the theme seemed to be more about legacy, mm. like, you know, what we leave behind and what does that matter at the end of the day, everything falls to dust. So what does it matter? What we leave? And it was really quite sort of, like I say, kind of melancholy and profound. And that for me was more the story than anything else. You know, yes, you've got like the three, three characters, you know, each wanting something that was, that was the story as it were, but the biggest picture story was more you know this this idea of you know the futility of existence everything you know at the end of time withers away and is is destroyed and that kind of got me thinking you know is this going to be the sort of once and future theme you know are we going to have you know as a instead of this running story of the doctor trying to figure out what he's been zapped with and you know, how to stop it. Is it going to be a case of we're having sort of like individual meditations on 
age, as it were. Sorry, that was a big ramble. So someone asked. Mm. No, I think um, I think you're absolutely right there. Yeah, it's um, I think the, yeah because the anniversary is sort of time to reflect, as you say, and 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 kind of look back. And yeah, for the Doctor, it's about having gone to the end of the universe. It's you know about what what is his legacy then? Because he sort of speculates at one point. He says, "Well, maybe the end of the universe. Everybody knows who I am. Maybe I've saved saved it so many times that I'm, I'm kind of famous." But then. Yeah. The other side of that is, but what's it all been for? Because all these sort of planets are dying. He doesn't and, like the uh, people who are left either. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's all been a bit futile for him, yeah. Yeah, and that's what sort of supposed feeds in sort of climate change, doesn't it? And the, um, you know, the kind of, the, the rich will kind of be okay and, and, you know, not really bothered about everybody else. But there is that, I, the, I mean, I love the, the notion where you talk about when some, when an artist passes away, their their art goes up in value, and it's this is a twist on that because it's like the you do, I mean you don't even really sort of get who the main villain is. It's kind of resolved at the end. Uh, it's not a, a criticism. It's just a sort of you know um, it, it's when they figure out what's what's been happening and you've got the creepy ai who's who's been sort of like um collecting all these artworks and then they've been destroying the planet um so that no other artwork can exist it it, i think that's really a clever idea a clever sort of twist on on that sort of thing as well and the fact that the curator feels he's cursed so whereas the doctor goes to planets and saves them his role has become go to a planet, do a piece of artwork, and then it's destroyed and there's nothing he can do about it. His thing is just preserving one snapshot of that planet before it's destroyed. Um, and, and you're right, they, they're sort of, they both become melancholy, melancholy for different reasons. One, because he can't sort of save anything, and the other one, because he thinks he is the reason why everything is being destroyed. Uh, and I, I think that's a really clever pitch, considering what the Doctor's normal sort of adventure is, turn up, save a planet. And we don't normally see the curator so kind of on the back foot. He's normally very uh, kind of omniscient and, and uh, uh, yeah, kind of kind of a wise sort of mentor character, as introduced in The Day of the Doctor and then in his other big finish appearances as well. This is the first time he's not quite knowing what's going on and think, thinking himself cursed and everything. And, and I noticed that uh, the Doctor Who magazine, the most, rec- most recent Doctor Who magazine at time of recording, had a profile of the curator, I think probably for listeners who only knew the character from Day of the Doctor, coming into this of explaining why he's now played by Colin Baker uh, and giving a bit more background. Because he was in the first three volumes of Stranded yeah. as Tom Baker, Colin Baker in the fourth volume. And in as a unit story as well, uh, the curator's gambit, which which has the sort of the Tom Baker version as well. Did they say why they changed recast then? No. Because oh. um, we're kind no. of assuming it's just because Tom's too elderly to do it. Now. But I wonder if there was sort of like an artistic reason for doing it, or whether it was just a, uh, a pragmatic reason. No, they haven't said. It, it sort of um, explains in this article that uh, that. The uh, the you know sort of appearance is quite fluid, so it can bring sort of different aspects forth. Um, but it also says that, and I kind of remember this from from Stranded Four that in that one the curator tells the Doctor that he is the Doctor's future, 
um, where the you know the the, the character sort of realizes that uh, he needs he needs a, a more considered approach to the universe is necessary than just blundering about. And once he realizes that, that's when the Doctor becomes the curator in the future. Which confused me slightly as why the Doctor doesn't recognize the curator in this story because that's well we we're assuming this is the eighth Doctor who's been hit by the degeneration weapon. Mm. And he's it's on a time war battlefield, and I kind of thought all the time war Eighth Doctor stuff is after the stranded traveling with Liv and Helen Eighth Doctor stuff. So you would have thought he'd have known the character in this, I guess. They kept quite ambiguous mm. until quite near the end. Yeah. Then that the Doctor says we. Yeah. Talking about the creator, so I think that sort of like indicates that it is he knows then it is the Doctor, but. I got a feeling that this is all going to be out of time at some point because at the end of it, he just said, "Oh, I just forgot about it all." So I'm, I'm forgetting everything that has just happened. So there's more than a hint of reset buttons. I got a feeling whatever happens in these releases is not going to make a big impact um, on uh, the Doctor's real story. Yeah, I think um, the way that Peter Davison delivered some of his lines was kind of very knowing at times. So I think Peter Davison. You know, made it a bit of a reading that yeah, you know, the doctor does actually know who the creator is, but he's just not saying it out loud. Um, and and like you say, Keith, the there is that element of you know, there's memory loss been weaving, weaving, woven into um the story throughout. So, if nothing else, then that's that's the get out. Oh yeah, the doctor just forgot. <laughs> Yeah, there is, there is that point where he says we, and then there's a point where the curator is talking to Jenny, and there's a sort of, it, do, it doesn't sort of say, I am your father. It's not a sort of Star Wars moment. Um, but there is, there is an element where he does sort of allude to knowing her and and the relationship that she will go on to have with the Doctor. Um I, I I laughed a bit where they it was um, the doctor and the curator and they were skimming stones, and the fifth doctor couldn't do it, but the curator could, and and I just thought that was like a wonderful little. I mean, it was quite a nice bit of dialogue as well when they were talking, but I just like the idea that the curator is a much older version of the doctor who's learned how to skim stones a lot better than than the fifth yeah. doctor who's just starting, uh, and you know blaming the. The wetness of the water, or whatever it is, he uh, he goes on to explain is the reason why he can't do it. But um, yeah, there's there's a wonderful play on words, and it, and you're right, it's really subtle until about three quarters of the way in when he says "we," and there's no big thing about it. He just that's just the line. It's kind of accepted. Then he also calls Jenny Scrappy Doo. Yeah, because he everybody <laughs> hated Scrappy Doo. It's not much of a not much yeah. of a. <laughs> Yeah, I felt like it was it was the Doctor realizing over the course of the story who the curator was because he's suspicious of him to begin with and thinks yeah. that he's deliberately destroying the the worlds. Whereas, yeah, I kind of thought it would make more sense if he immediately recognized him from from Stranded Four sort of thing. But uh, yeah, it made sense in that way. And and as I say the they very quickly. I think well, the Doctor's kind of uh, he knew he was looking for his daughter because the meddling monk set that up. In yeah. the previous story, didn't he? So he's got this idea that he's looking for his daughter without maybe knowing the story of how she is his daughter. And, and obviously it makes sense that he does forget her because in the story of the Doctor's daughter, 
he doesn't sort of say, oh, this is where that woman came from that says she was my daughter that I've already met. Twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the, there has been a big finish with the Doctor, Peter Davison and um, Jenny, hasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. I met her before when I was my father-in-law. Yeah. Because obviously they, they recognised each other straight away in in the story. There wasn't any sort of like, it's just like, oh, it's you. Oh, yes, it's me. And kind of off they went. Yeah, so the legacy of time, isn't it? Uh, I think where they, where they met before. And then, and then again, within Big Finish, Jenny's had two box sets of adventures on her own as well. And he doesn't ask who she is. He sort of kind of knows. Yeah. Because he's sort of like, He's quite like say he doesn't approve of bank robbing and having the temperature too turned up too high in a spaceship and all this kind of stuff. So it's very much yeah. a father daughter relationship, isn't it? It was very sort of. It reminded me a little bit of uh, Partners in Crime. You know when David Tennant and Catherine Tate keep missing each other because every time yes. he, he was like at the, the art gallery and they were like, "Oh, you should you know go and have a look at the gift shop." And then suddenly <laughs> it was Jenny was there asking questions, and then they sort of swapped over. I and I. I quite liked that bit. I mean, it didn't like it. It wasn't extended. It was just the first couple of minutes where they were just doing initial inquiries. But you're right. When they got together, there was no sort of like "Who are you?" sort of thing. It was just like, "Oh, you're here, and this is what you're doing." And I, I thought that was quite a nice segue into them meeting up and and joining forces. That's good. It took 19 minutes and 20 seconds for uh, Colin Baker to appear. Mm. <laughs> Not that I was timing it. <clears throat> yeah, in the 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 uh, Vortex magazine that uh, the Big Finish put out with their um, with their releases, uh, James Goss talks about how there was it doesn't say who, but there was different versions of who this artist was going to be, like people from sort of Doctor Who law, and then they settled on the curator as being being the perfect person. Yeah, so that that was interesting. Who else they 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 might have been thinking of for that. I couldn't really think of anybody obvious. Peter Cushing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to do a Rogue One on it. <laughs> just recast him. Louise Jameson would do it. Yeah. <laughs> Garon we from Doctor and the Bannerman. Yeah. See, that would be really good. <laughs> yes, that would be excellent. <laughs> when they did Eye of Orion, I thought it was going to be like Turlow's drawing from oh. The Five Doctors. Ah, uh, yeah. There was a few little nods, wasn't there, throughout? There was. Um, yeah. So there was a Metabolus crystal was mentioned, and was it the Gelf? Yeah, Monoid. Monoid statue, Monoid. yeah. yeah. Um, they mentioned yeah. the Brixietal collection, which is mentioned in City of Death. Right. And most um, of the many Summerfield stories, yes. Yeah. And the other thing, one of the, this is one of my theories because they, oh yeah, well another one they mentioned was Gadarene, which is a, a third Doctor missing adventure, isn't isn't there? But they did this in in the Black Archive in the first story where the Doctor recognised loads of alien artifacts and rhymed the load off, and the one that appears there and here is Centriel. I think there was like a Centriel weapon in the Black Archive, and then here they mention. Uh, is it the last knowledge tree of Centrius? Uh, which could obviously be a coincidence, but it's a very obscure reference. So this is the uh, the black Christmas tree looking dude from the Daleks Master Plan. <laughs> um, 
And that just seems like a, a weird thing to get mentioned on both of the stories so far. So that was one of my theories: is that uh, is that Centriel is gonna <laughs> is going to play into this, uh, play into this. So it'd be interesting in the next story uh, if they if they get a mention. That would be wonderfully obscure if the entire thing is based on like one minor character of the Daleks' master plan. Seriously, it was him with the gun all along. <laughs> no, I'm going to be looking actually, out for that. Actually, there's two references in this one. There's the knowledge tree of Centrias, and there's the resting king of Centrias as well. Mm. So yeah, that's uh, that's the first of my uh, my theories for the for the rest of Once and Future. Now, my theory was they mentioned diamonds twice yes. and there's a diamond on the cover of the thing. So that's my, that's my theory. And there's a diamond logo and that's it. Yep. <laughs> and there was a diamond in that last tenant story. So it's got to be that. <clears throat> that was very much sort of Leonardo DiCaprio meme. <gasps> diamond logo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the diamond logo. That's... Because he, they but, talk, um, he kept talking about a figure inside a diamond, didn't he? He said he kept on seeing. I, all I kept thinking of was the uh, William Hartnell in the Three Doctors. You know, he's sort of in that that sort of. Oh uh, yeah. I thought I was thinking oh. of that, but yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting one. And... William Hartnell and Central in league together. <laughs> 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 Big Finish have released the the trailer for the next episode, The Genius of War. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know the the obvious answer is it's Davros. Yeah, in the diamond, and that's you know that's the the link to the next one. The link to the next story. Mm-hmm. You know, we had the monk saying, "Oh, get some DNA from your daughter," which linked us to this story. And the diamond with someone sitting in it is. Is potentially the link to the next story. Um, yeah, it seemed that way, didn't it? Because that's and it's quite early in this story that he sees the painting yeah. and that sort of triggers something. And then at the end, he says, oh, "This is what I need to go and do next." So it's not like the doctor's actively now trying to find a cure for his malady, is it? He's uh, he's just kind of going about his, his adventures. Yeah, with, with that going on in the background. Yeah. And we do Still get another being distracted sort of flashback sequence don't we where he starts running through the regenerations again this is it's, mm. it's not too much but it, i i find that it's a little bit sort of oh where are we gone now it's like there was there was a section in this where he's suddenly sort of degenerated and then he sort of snapped back and i was kind of like oh what what just just what just happened in that little section because um, he talks about, you know, I feel a lot better when he when he's talking to Jenny, and he's like, you know, I feel like I, I've, uh, you know, I feel a lot more stable. But then there is that moment yeah. where he he does degenerate again. Yeah, because he's more stable because he's at the end of the universe, and time is slightly different. And then the 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 sort of um, what do you describe it as sort of. Uh, like sympathetic DNA, I think, don't they, with, yeah. with mm. Jenny? And pres- presumably he's also getting that from the curator, mm. who's also got Time Lord DNA and, and is, is stable sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, you only get that little bit at the start. It's like just after he's arrived at the gallery before he's met Jenny or the curator like, yeah. yet. And then there's a bit at the end where he's asleep or unconscious, isn't there, as well, where yeah. uh, he slips back into the third Doctor. 
Well, the other th- my other theory then, while we're while we're talking about that, is right at the end when uh, they uh, they're going to go and investigate the next thing, and uh, you hear the seventh Doctor's voice say, "Oh, a mystery! Time for me to take control." Which uh, it kind of made me think of the eleven, which is yeah. the uh, the the big finish kind of uh, just excellent, excellent character. Uh, of the eleven, so if if anyone hasn't heard of the eleven, it's it's Time Lord who all eleven incarnations are vying for control all the time. So it's kind of a really schizophrenic character, and that's the way that works, isn't it? That sometimes different incarnations will seize control and try and take over, or if they've got particular skills or anything, because one of them's like one of them was an archivist and that kind of thing. So that made me think: is this is what's wrong with the Doctor? Something like the 11's condition but it's physical as well as mental so he's, mm. he's physically changing into the different incarnations all the time there was a wonderful moment which reminded me of some of the new invention novels where colin's doctor was like oh i'm going it's my turn and and silver's doctor was like no no i'm 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 taking over. There was this brief moment where it was just like, oh, we're going to move on to Collie, but no, we're not. We're going to go on to Sylvester McCoy. Yeah, yeah, because in the new adventures, that whole idea isn't there that that the seventh Doctor killed the sixth Doctor when he smacked his head on the console that he sort of rose up and and took over and killed him at that point. Took over to stop the Valyard from from coming back. And there's several stories where several stories where the sixth Doctor's sort of um sort of persona tries to to break free um from what the seventh doctor has um done to him and i I thought that was a lovely little sort of moment where it's just like having having played the really sort of different curator you suddenly got this booming colin baker voice and then it was like uh no we're not having you (laughs) (laughs) it's almost like you've had one story it's my turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, do you think that was Colin's turn, or do you think he will get like a doctor story as well? Or do you think that was like a clever way of using Colin in a story? Because I don't know how many, how many episodes are there. I forget. There's eight. Eight, I think. I suppose there's enough then for one for each doctor, then, really, isn't there? Mm. But, uh, mm. I think it's a, cl- a clever way of getting Colin into the story because it's a different dynamic, isn't it? It's. Yeah. It, um, I would hope that there would be a a story with him as the Doctor, or at least one where he appears as the Doctor for a, for a longer period of time, rather than just the curator. But again, the curator is 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 something new and fresh to add to, to you know the ongoing sort of story arc. So it's nice to have yeah him as that. I, like I said at the start, I really enjoyed the fact that Colin wasn't playing the Doctor, so could give us a different performance but I did also really enjoy that little snippet where he did come back as the doctor because it was it was the doctor it was just you know it's showing that you know he isn't just playing the curator because he's sounding too old now or whatever but you know it was a, a completely different performance and that old Colin Baker magic is still there as as the doctor um you know I kind of wondered if we are going to see more of of the first, second, and third doctors in this because, you know, all we've had so far is these little snippets. Um, you know, and yes, we have had sort of snippets of the seventh doctor as well, and we know we're getting him in the next story. But I kind of wonder, are we actually then going to be having a full story 
with the first or second or third doctor or is it just going to be you know every every story just has you know a bookend of them with a few lines it'll be expensive to pay them i would imagine just for a few lines i expect they'll have got their money's worth out of them yeah. unless they've like just recorded little scenes where they recorded their regular plays because i know they've done that previously with other um with the dark shadows they did like a a um, anniversary story and they'd got other characters just to, like record a few lines for that particular story when they recorded their own so i suppose they could have done that but uh, I, th- I should imagine with eight episodes again you like trying to get as many doctors in as possible well that's that's one of the things that you would have expected them to have done by now you know we are talking about like you know it is the mashups that that big finish are going for you know they've got the sandbox they've got you know all the toys um, you know, you would maybe have expected them to chuck a couple of, of Doctors together, like maybe it's like the second Doctor and the sixth Doctor together. Well, no, that's already been done, isn't it? Um, nine and the Unbound Doctors, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's going to be David Warner and uh, Christopher Eccleston. I'm fairly certain um, Eccleston at a convention actually said um, he had the pleasure of working with David Warner. So unless wow. he's, bless Warner's playing a different character, I mean... Either way, it'll be like the last big finish he did to be released. I would have thought. Yeah. So uh, I mean, so I think that uh, mashup is is coming from what um, he said. It they just showed footage of him. He'd, got, he'd attended a convention, and um, he, he said he'd worked with David Warner for Big Finish. So, and it was for this, I would imagine. Because there is a David Warner recurring villain from the Fourth Doctor Cup, adventures oh, as well. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. It could be, uh, yeah, I suppose it could be him as well. Because there's a whole host of people that have signed up for it that we haven't seen yet. So mm-hmm. there's still quite a few different combinations that are possible before we get towards towards the end. I'd, I'd hope there is a first Doctor, second Doctor, third Doctor. Um, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, I suppose it depends whether they're concentrating on the where they've got the original actors and giving them centre stage, and just getting cameos from the the sort of the recasting ones like Tim Trelaw and Stephen Noonan. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. It's quite nice the way we're only really knowing like a month or two ahead what what's coming next, though, because mm. it does allow for this sort of speculation, doesn't it? It's quite quite cool that the whole thing hasn't just been laid out for us yet. Yeah, I mean, what do you guys think of the arc? Then are you are you engaged in it or are you kind of thinking oh well this isn't what i was what i bought into i think it's just a MacGuffin, really just to hook the rest of the stories on at the moment and it'll probably become more pertinent towards the end i would i would think because i suppose they do not want to alienate people like my friend who was just an occasional buyer but i suppose they want to put enough in to try and encourage people to buy the rest as well but um i think at the moment i'm just enjoying the speculation rather than actually being hooked onto the actual story because the actual stories themselves have been quite similar um uh, be quite um simplistic really it's definitely the the characters they are focusing on i mean i kind of guessed they were they were destroying the things to put the art, the value of the artwork yeah. up about 30 seconds into it <laughs> so it was just like the first time you mentioned the planet was being destroyed I thought, aha so um i think the stories are secondary to um the characters which suits me because um, on audio it's the 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 interaction, which is the important bit, isn't it? Yeah. You can listen to the explosions for so long and before you lose interest. So uh, I think, 
And this one worked particularly well, I have to say. Just it was basically a three-hander, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. it yeah. worked very well, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, this is we, uh, David Warner is is confirmed name for the for this series. So he's he's in there somewhere. Um you've got Nicola Walker, Michelle Ryan, Camille Cowdery, um you've got um uh Missy as well. So this there's there's still big characters. It'd be interesting yeah. to see who they're paired with um and what the payoff is of of that. Um, and they like throwing in things like Unit and some of the other crossovers as well, don't they? They'd, there'll be there'll be some more. I'm sure before we we uh, get towards the end, there'll be some more cameos from other characters from other series and some of their spin-offs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it because they do they do box set with the Paternoster gang and everything, don't they? So you know, it'd be yeah. nice maybe to get a story with them with a, a Doctor that. Um, that they haven't appeared with before. I think for, from a starting point, it's a slow start. Um, but I think that's not necessarily a bad thing because I think if you look at some of recent Doctor Who on TV, for example, where they throw all the exposition at you and there's you're struggling to find the story underneath, I think this is the other way around. It's kind of like this is going on in the background, but here, you know, I'd be quite happy with some decent standalone stories that are just topped and tailed or mildly themed around what's happening but i guess i i would feel a bit differently if we were on story five and we hadn't learned anything new from the first episode to to be honest i think that's that's the way it's gonna go um i think we will just have top and tail it'll be a bit like bad wolf you know it'll be breadcrumbs and Easter eggs and little nuggets here and there, but it's not going to be until I think episode seven is going to be the last one this year before eight. steps forward from the curtains. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, that's, that's how it's going to go. It's just going to be bitty, 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 bitty. And then, you know, the finale will be when, when everything comes together. I don't think it'll just be like, you know, we'll get to the end and then, all of a sudden, I'll just have to go. Oh, and the doctor was cured by oh, I don't know. Let's say Jackie. Yes, <laughs> Jackie tea. Tyler made a cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's better. Way. Um, I think that's that's how I'm predicting it's going to go. But you like to say that that's um like you, James. I'm absolutely fine with that. You know the the quality of the stories that we've had so far. Yes, this one was very simplistic. And like Keith, you know, it was it wasn't very difficult to see what was causing the planets to be um, mm-hmm. destroyed or anything like that. But again, it was a really interesting theme. It was it was kind of like, um, you know, you get to the end of time and, and let's let capitalism play out. What's, mm. what's it going to be? You know, the rich, the 1% of the 1% of the 1% are still going to be wanting their, you know, fancy toys. And it just seemed like this is, you know, it's natural progression. If you think you're, um, you know, art artist's value, be that a painter, be that a musician, whatever, always goes up when they when they die. So at what point, you know, is someone going to actually think, yeah, okay, let's, let's destroy something to, to make it more valuable. Um, you know, um, at what point, you know, is, is, is Banksy going to paint a... Because that was, that was the parallel for me was, you know, Colin Baker's Banksy. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, at what point is is Banksy going to paint? A, <laughs> you know, paint a mural on on the side of someone's wall on someone's house, and someone's just going to come and take the wall out the house. That's and, what happens, and wreck the house. isn't it? Though that's that's uh, you know yeah. that's the scary thing is when his artwork goes gets discovered, people do try and steal it or or, you know they have to protect it and i kind of like the idea that the snowman that he built which then when they went to the museum was there was like his shredded painting because he he Mm. just basically you know unplugged it and and let it melt but yeah if it was like banksy it probably worth 20 times more now as a puzzle yeah um than it was as the sort of um, snowman and i I think that was Possibly like the, the other one of the other themes of this story was, you know, the nature of art. What is art? What is, you know, what makes art valuable? You know, the creator has done this for posterity to preserve, but people are now like treating it as as currency. You know, it's um, yeah. There was a lot going on in this mm-hmm. when I kind of listened through the second time and, and started to unpick it a bit. There was a lot of a lot of themes. And on the subject of art, there was a uh, controversy. When it was first released, about people objecting to the original cover, wasn't there? Yes. Uh, and I genuinely couldn't see a problem. Actually, somebody sent me a list of all the things, and apparently ties weren't connected to necks, and people's like limbs were slightly detached, and all this kind of thing. But I thought, when I was listening to it, I thought it was slightly ironic. It was a story about art, and um, it had started with a bit of a controversy about art. I think the biggest problem I had with it is that Colin Baker looked like a character from Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> <laughs> He was just kind of like stood, you know, stock still with his with his paintbrush out or whatever, and you just look mm. like you. It's it's like a Playmobil toy of Colin Baker in a in the wrong costume. Um, obviously, they have addressed that and they've um, done a, a much much better um, bit of art for for the actual release. So yeah. I'm, I'm when happy. When it comes to that. an eye for art, I genuinely couldn't see the problem. So it just goes to show I don't have one. So. Yeah, so I don't think they've actually spoken about it. As far as I could see on Twitter, nobody, uh, Big Finish haven't actually said, oh, look, we've we've redone the cover on the basis of listener feedback or anything. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting because this is it's obviously a hot topic at the moment about AI, the, you know, you've got the right strike in, in, in America. The Today, as we record, the new Marvel series has just dropped on Ooh, yeah. Disney Plus, and people are talking about how the credits for that, that the art in is art is is AI as well. So it's yeah, it's kind of kind of bang up to the to the minute stuff, isn't it? I'm just looking at the what was the original artwork for this, and it has got something that looks very much like one of the Mash Smash robots <laughs> in it, and, and Colin Baker looks like someone's put something there they shouldn't have done and <laughs> no the one that we've got is is much better i think but yeah it's it it did seem a little bit kind of um a little bit meta when you know the the, the story itself is about art and it's also got a very good ai character in it as well yes uh, who i thoroughly enjoyed i think that was one of the one of the highlights again for me was the performance of um abby harris Abby Harris, yeah, yes, as um, Robo-Guy. a moral character, isn't it? She's sort of yeah. like uh, she's both sort of like uh, good and bad. I love like that. She's like she's all for the money, but she's also like, like has a nice sort of um, honest cynicism as well, which I quite like. Yeah, um, it was yeah, it was totally like you know what side is she on throughout mm. this? There was a sort of like sinister 
edge to her performance, which which kind kind of made you think she was, you know, possibly the one behind it. And what did it remind us of? Um, is it Portal? Yes, that game it was yeah the Portal, which which had again sort of like a a really sort of sinister robot that in that and um, a glowing dot or something, isn't it? She's just yeah. yeah. Um, it's really nice at the end where because she's been a curator and then yeah. when she meets the curator and they have you know talking about sort of nice pairings in this and they have a nice kind of thing because she's like oh I really like watching you work and and, and at that point you think well maybe the curator is going to take over this gallery at the end of the universe but he's, he's got no interest in that but it was um, yeah that that was a nice pairing and then there's nice juxtaposition earlier on as well when the doctor's talking to the AI gallery. Uh, kind of person and Jenny's talking to the human one mm. and the human one's much more like no you you know you need to go to the gift shop basically you you haven't got the money to be looking in here and the AI is actually more polite to the doctor yeah. than the human is to to Jenny saying you know well maybe you know there's this slightly cheaper stuff in this sale room here she doesn't just go go to the gift shop and buy a fridge magnet or a tea towel okay. or something yes but you get that that nice moment at the end where the curator shows Jenny the what I assume is the Gallifrey Falls No More painting mm, with yes. the three figures of the Doctor in it, yep. which is quite again a lovely link back to previous because because Tom Baker says, "Oh, I, I acquired this in remarkable circumstances," but you never hear how. But this is, ah, yeah. this yeah. is kind of like. This is this how you got the the painting? Well, he he says yeah. it's the first one I did, doesn't he? Mm. Mm. He says this is the first one. This is the first painting I ever did, and it was I wanted to remember Gallifrey. I wanted someone to remember it once it was gone. Um, but yeah, the the kind of the end of the AI robot, where you know you've had this the whole way through, like. You know, chasing the profit and chasing the value, and and ultimately at the end, she does appreciate the value of the art, is that it's beautiful and not valuable. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because in, in the day of the doctor, I think the the curator saying I acquired it in unusual circumstances, a way of suggesting that he's not human, because we know that the painting's been there since queen elizabeth the first time so for him to have acquired it he must be already be hundreds of years old so it's kind of a way of of hinting i suppose about what the uh about who the character is so yeah this kind of nicely ties up saying yeah that that the curator actually painted it as well mm. and, and i think some of the stuff it feels uh quite like the zeitgeist at the moment as well like with the because it's always like the super rich are the people kind of swan around this gallery and uh, and trying to buy these pieces of art and then get their comeuppance when the the sort of the planet destroying device turns up and there are a few movies recently like uh, the menu and triangle of sadness that are kind of about like the kind of wealthy elites kind of um getting a bit of uh, getting a bit of comeuppance so so that felt kind of in line with that kind of story as well Greyhound leader to trap one. Emergency alert to all radar stations. So I haven't listened to any of the Jenny box sets. Um, so this was kind of my reintroduction to this character to the point where I actually went back last night or the night before and re-watched The Doctor's Daughter um, because, you know, I didn't remember the character being quite as she is in in this. And, yeah, in, in 
the televised version, she is very sort of cheerful and um, naive. There's a childlike quality which you'd expect from her, um, given the, this that story, which is is a little bit different in this in this one. Is um, you know for the for those who have listened to the Jenny box sets, is this um, you know a good story for Jenny, or is she a little bit off, or or what? Well, she hasn't got a regular companion with her, so she's got nobody to be peppy to, I suppose. But uh, she remains sort of like ruthlessly upbeat in most of them, to be fair. I'm not that familiar with... I've only listened to a couple of stories with Jenny in, um, and I've not done much of the Jenny series, so I don't necessarily know from that uh, that deeper perspective how, how different it is here. I think she's compared to the TV series where she's very sort of she's trying to understand who she is and who the doctor is and how she is different to the doctor and you have that dynamic with Donna sort of questioning from the sidelines as as well whereas I think here it's less because she's she's much more self-assured but she still wants the doctor's approval for the things that she does whereas I think in the TV episode she's challenging him going well why aren't you doing this and you know um so she is she's discovering what her powers or her sort of you know her abilities are yeah um she's quite sort of quizzical to the doctor to say well why aren't you doing sort of cartwheels down laser beams and things like that she's a lot more self-assured in the box set now and she's sort yeah. of got this sort of like running joke in every spaceship she gets she manages to like destroy somehow so she's like she's got like this like ongoing thing of driving quite badly mm. but uh she's quite tenth doctory i suppose which makes sense because that's the doctor like sort of like side that uh, she's quite sort of bright and optimistic but then she has this very sort of like uh, uh sort of like when injustice comes along she's very sort of like down on it straight away and she's like brutally honest with people where it's it could be naive or it could be deliberately provocative. It's, it's never easy to tell. But she's actually the actress herself. She's um, a, a producer of it. Yeah. But she's also put a lot of thought into into the character. She didn't want just want to turn up, take the money, and run. She's like uh, she's actually been involved in producing the series. So she's obviously a character that she's um, she's invested in. And I think that that shows because um, I suppose if she if she's working with her father, well, it's going to be um, where she is in the in this. There's going to be sort of like more of a connection and um, like uh, an easier rapport, I suppose. But uh, yeah, um, I think she is more reflective in this than she perhaps is in the uh, regular series. Man, she's I think it's only done two box sets, haven't they? So uh, and she has sort of like a regular companion she can sort of like astound all the time. So uh, and he can tends to be quite a dour character. So I suppose she looks she looks um, uh, brighter in comparison to him anyway. There's a, there's a couple of really sort of nice comedic moments where she's in the TARDIS with the Doctor and there's the lava that's coming towards the TARDIS. <laughs> um, she leaves the door open and it yes. floods. I, I, there's just this little, like a, a little cutaway scene where they're just like, oh yeah, we, when they're trying to find the curator or trying to find the next planet that's going to finish. They, I just love, just love yeah. those little snippets of causing chaos in the TARDIS. There was a few bits I don't think quite landed. I think the the thermostat joke was a bit too yeah. obvious and a bit too corny. But I think um, the bit I really liked was the picnic where 
Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the, the doctor's took the picnic out and he's made too many sandwiches and she's having to carry the basket. And I think that worked really well. I think that was a really nice um, dynamic then. Um, obviously, the chemistry between the two is is undeniable, you know, mm. and I think um, Georgia Moffat... Georgia Tennant, sorry, has got um, a good a good rapport with Colin Baker as well, because um, I believe they kind of know each other obviously before before this. Because didn't she go to school with Colin Baker's daughter as well? Quite possibly, could be definitely with one of them. Yeah. I think that's like, like that's the, the kind of tale that she tells that um, you know she, she went to school with Colin Baker's daughter, so she just assumed that everyone's father was Doctor Who. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, like I say, the the it makes sense to have these three together in this story because they do have that beautiful chemistry and you know rapport. When it needs to turn to banter, it does. When it needs to be the um, you know the softer and more heartfelt moments, it's 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 quite natural for them as well. It's a very early release called Red Dawn, and uh, she's in that, and she's very young in that. So I think it must be one of her first sort of like professional jobs, and that's um, with uh, Peter Davison as well. So we'd like to to hear her then, um, compared to to now, it's sort of like you can really hear her grow up on audio. And the behind the scenes bits are really nice, where you've got you've got Peter Davison and and uh, Georgia together, so they're they're quite nice, and then the. The, the sort of stuff that you hear at conventions with with Peter Davis and Colin Baker sort of slagging each other off jokingly, yeah. they're, they're all really nice. I think we saw Peter Davison at Carlisle Comic Con a few years ago, Keith, and he was forgetting, affecting to, to forget Colin Baker's name and that kind of thing. <laughs> I love all of that stuff. That stuff's absolutely brilliant. Uh, so, yeah, it was nice, nice to get a bit of that as well. Yeah, I think Peter Davison is quite a, a sort of dry um, and sardonic character. And I think... You know, James Goss managed to capture that very well. Um, he managed to get um, right for the the Fifth Doctor very well in this story. I loved the, um, you know, when he's interrupted the um, the bank robbery at the start, and he's like, well, is, "Is it in this bag by any chance? You might as well just write swag on it." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, there was there was some nice moments. I thought he was really well well written um, to play up to that because that's. We only got that on the TV, really, in, in season 21. You know, we only really got Peter Davison coming alive and, and bringing that edge to the character in sort of like the front yoss and the awakening. Um, so it's really nice to to see it being picked up and, and fleshed out in Big Finish as well. And he always said he felt he was too young for the role, and he's kind of proved it, really, because he's definitely coming to his old as an older man, hasn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Made me laugh on the extras when they, um, Colin Baker did the reverse of the usual Tom Baker joke where he said he was only sort of like vaguely aware that somebody else had played the curator. <laughs> so. Yeah. Slightly reminded me of Vincent and the Doctor, the bit when the Doctor and Jenny take the curator to the gallery at the end where all his works of art are yeah. and, you know, he's got that sort of sense of wonder that, that they've all been preserved like that. And there is that, that point where Colin says, how do I feel about this? There is this sort of like, and and had it been like this, had it been the sixth Doctor, there would have been at that point some sort of explosion of, of moral outrage. Yeah, you know, yeah. Whereas the curator really stops, and but there is a really serious moment where he's like, I don't think I like it, and and mm. it's quite. 
powerful in in that moment and i think isn't that when peter says we don't or something that might mm-hmm. be the point where he says we um yeah and i think that again is just it's just class writing i, I really really thought that, that the writing was was brilliant on this and the playing is it's not sort of done like it as a like a revelation, is it like we? Yeah, it's, sort of, it's very underplayed as well. So it's like it's almost as mm. if he's really known for quite a while, but it's sort of like does not vocalise it. So yes, it was um, unusually subtle. Yeah. The other the other point was um, towards the end where the space the gallery I don't know if it's a space station or whatever, but it's being destroyed around them, and you know the curator tells the doctor, you know what would you do? Well, I would you know save everyone to so go and do that and leave me and. You know, he comes back to him and to, to save him. And he's like, "Well, why? Why should I do that?" And he's like, "Because that's what I would do." Mm. You know, that kind of you know struck us as you know, yeah, you know, he knows who these this person is. You know, that that was a quite a loaded line. Yeah, and he says something. Um, the curator says something like, "I think you found yourself." Yeah, which is what he says at the start, isn't it? As well, and, and another sort of clever line towards the end about the 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 people who are there at the art gallery they says something like or the the ai says something like i wonder if they were really fans at all mm-hmm. and the and the curator goes so do i and i wondered if that was a little bit of a thing about doctor who fans sort of turning against the show and uh and the and the creators of it and things like that one mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, at, at various times i think it was more it landed more for me as a as a kind of you know cut it you know, they're not fans. They just want the value of the art. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. You know, it it, it kind of it would it works. You know, those people that you see like Hounded, like Tom Baker for photo for, for autographs. You know, you say, oh yeah, sign this and sign this and sign this and sign this, and you know, they're not fans. They're just going to go off and sell them on eBay. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's that's the level that kind of worked on for me. You do get people now who won't sign it unless they write your name on it, do they? So yeah. I always think it's sort of like the way to uh, undercut that, isn't it? Like if it's yeah. like to market it, then obviously it's only going to be sold to Mars. Mm. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> do you, there's been a bit of um, disquiet online I've noticed about the people who bought the special editions because they 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 thought the booklet they were going to be getting was going to be slightly more impressive than the usual CD insert. There's been a few folks. Um, um, been complaining about it, and I think uh, one of them sort of uh, put a, um, a reply that Big Finish had sent to them, saying that they're going to sort of like um, take on board what they said and review it a bit. It sort of like advertises a booklet to come with the, the special edition. They're just getting like the old insert they used to get in the um, standard CDs. Right, I haven't seen that, but I've got the special edition, and and the way it works is the the inside cover sort of folds out. A few times to create the the sort of uh, the artwork that just comes with the limited edition. So all right, I so it's more always... impressive than that then, because the way they was they, they, they were talking about, it, I just assumed it was just like the old uh, staple in the middle booklet used to get uh, attached to the front cover when you used to buy the um, CD releases. Yeah, no, it's not a booklet. Yeah, so it, it sort of folds out. Um, so from the original square, it sort of folds out, so it's four times the size. Um, so I think we've only seen the artwork for. It came with past lives so far, but yeah, there's kind of like they're kind of like old style movie posters, aren't they? That right. we've got the past lives one, so yeah, it's not, not so much a booklet, but sort of a fold out 
poster. No, it's not if you're going to display the poster, you wouldn't have the cover in the in the CD anymore. I suppose maybe <laughs> that's the complaint. I'm not sure. You probably have to iron it anyway, would you? Is that different to the yeah. limited edition one? Because I couldn't work out which one I'd ordered in the end. Is that yeah, that's the one I've got. It's a limited edition. That's the one with the fold out. Oh, all right. Poster-y. I've not actually. Mine came really, really late. You were all like, "Oh, I've got my," and I was like, "No, I've not." Had my... <laughs> no, mine was last. <laughs> <laughs> I got mine the weekend, so. <laughs> Well, I've not had t- chance to to open it yet because I was away at the weekend. But yeah, and the other thing you get with the special edition is the extended behind the scenes stuff as well. You get a, a longer interview. Oh, they're that much longer. Looked about seven minutes longer. Yeah, I haven't checked the timings, but there's there's a bit more material in there. I think more more of Colin Baker booming from his uh, broom cupboard. It sounds really yeah. weird. Actually, it sounded like it's the end of a corridor on these extras. It sounded terribly far away. <laughs> it's obviously a There's deep... even more of me. Because <laughs> you had in Georgia, like, having a conversation. It was lovely. And then you suddenly had, oh, oh I'm Colin Baker. <laughs> like, I'm quite right. <laughs> <laughs> listen to family music on. I want to hear Colin. <laughs> Windmill 347 for Trap 1. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. We'll be back next week when we're talking about the first five hours of Doomsday. That's the that's James Goss again, the, the short story that you put on the website and the four comic strips which are in the new Doctor Who magazine. And the Past Lives team will be back in July looking at Genius for War. In the meantime, you can find all our previous episodes at trap1.podbean.com and you can find the podcast on Twitter at trap1 underscore. In the show notes, I'll put uh, all of our Twitter handles and uh, and where you can purchase past lives from. In the meantime, thanks very much for joining me, gentlemen. Thank and, you. And uh, we'll you. see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.